Pastor Xavier Reese and an issue of faith. Whenever we say that we have faith, then we, our faith must be related to the Word of God. People say, well, I have faith. Well, if your faith is not based on God's revelation, then it's not biblical faith. People often say, well, I believe in God. Well, what God do you believe in? If your faith is not related to the scriptures, then your faith is not biblical, it's not valid. And so I must verify my faith on what it is that I believe, God's revelation. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Any athlete understands the importance of preparing for the season. That's if he's playing the game to win the ultimate prize. But most of the time, that prize, though valuable, is also perishable. Today, as he continues his look at the life of Timothy, Pastor Xavier examines the most important game plan ever, the game plan to eternity. Let's listen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 to 26, and the message is entitled, Strive for Salvation. Paul the Apostle has made it perfectly clear that Timothy must separate himself from the false teachers as well as their doctrine. And he's to do this in order to be a vessel of honor as well as demonstrating a life of virtue. It's a delicate, fine line as we walk in this world that we live in the world but not of the world. We want to reach the sinner, but we have to be careful that we're not part with the sinner. And certainly when false teaching is concerned, this is more important. Now Paul tells Timothy that he's to have a proper attitude towards the individuals who oppose false, uh, the true doctrine of God, the gospel. And there are always people who oppose the gospel. It's been from the beginning. It will always be. And so he's to be a vessel towards their salvation. Because sometimes we can get in the mode, well, you know, they're this or that, and, and, and we begin close-hearted, and we're not even open to minister the gospel, and we no longer have the view of their salvation any longer. We just want to win the argument or avoid them altogether. And though those are maybe legitimate and true at a time, we have to be careful that we don't just come to that end. And so here in verses um, 23 to 26, Paul gives to Timothy a threefold counsel, since he's a minister of the gospel, as to how he's to be this vessel towards their salvation. And let me read this, verse 23 to 26. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they gender strife, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Here's his threefold counsel. Timothy was to avoid certain things. Verse 23, he was to avoid certain things. Notice secondly, verse 24 to the first part of 25, Timothy was to conduct himself in a certain way. And then thirdly, the rest of 25 and 26, Timothy was to understand the certain goal of salvation. This is the bottom line. 
We are not in it just to win arguments. We're not in it just to exalt ourselves. We're in the kingdom to reach people who are lost. And from the lost category, you got from good moral pagans to the most debauched person you can even imagine. When you're lost, you're lost. Doesn't matter how long you've been lost. Doesn't matter where you've been lost. You're lost. And that's the picture that we're to have regarding the person who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior according to the gospel. And it comes a time when we have to qualify according to the gospel because there are so many way people believe that God can be approached and, and they say so many things to be scriptural. So we have to check those things out according to the gospel. Let's begin here with the first. Timothy was to avoid certain things in verse 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they gender strife. Notice first, Timothy was to avoid foolish disputes straight out. Now, the council, notice, is in sharp contrast to what proceeds in verse 22. Timothy was to pursue faith, love, peace, and without, uh, to those who are calling the name of the Lord, out of a pure heart. Now, even though Timothy was to pursue these virtues, and they're good, particularly peace, it did not mean that he was to allow individuals to waste his time and get into heated debates. You know, there are people, and you have to identify that and realize that, that there are some people that just want to argue. And you have to have the good sense to know when it's beneficial and when it isn't. Now, the counsel is in the negative to achieve the positive. Timothy was to avoid foolish disputes. And the word foolish there is moral, which means dull, sluggish, or stupid. We get our word moron from it. Now, the word is used of a person who is morally worthless in Matthew 5, 22. The word is more serious a reproach than the word that Jesus speaks about, raka, which scorns a man by calling him stupid, whereas moral here scorns him concerning his heart, his character. The heart is always a problem. It's where everything begins. Now, notice he says to avoid, and it basically means to refuse or decline such disputes. And he's dealt with this in 1 Timothy 4, 7, 5, 11, Titus 3, 10. He deals with it here. In other words, we're to have the good sense to decline certain things. There are some times when I'm ministering, and then when I get done, as you know, I'm, I stay up here for prayer and for questions, and there's always once in a while someone who just wants to argue. And what I do is I make sure that I take care of all the people that need to be taken care of. And I tell them, hey, just wait and I'll talk with you. Because I'm not going to be tied up 15 minutes and nobody else can be prayed for or talked to. So I don't mind the interaction, but there's a time and a place. And there are people who, who, who are like that. They go from church to church. And they think that they got the answer to everything. The word disputes in the Greek indicates philosophical inquiry. In the New Testament, it indicates an exchange of words rather than a true search for truth. In other words, some people will just want to interact with you simply to win an argument. It's a battle of words. 
The evil connotation is attributed to their lack of faith. They have a concept about God. They have a concept about doctrine according to their own understanding. It's not based upon word. Whenever we say that we have faith, then we, our faith must be related to the word of God. People say, well, I have faith. Well, if your faith is not based on God's revelation, then it's not biblical faith. People often say, well, I believe in God. Well, what, what God do you believe in? And, and what scriptures do you use? If your faith is not related to the scriptures, then your faith is not biblical. It's not valid. And so I must verify my faith. I must substantiate my faith on what it is that I believe, God's revelation. Now notice second that Timothy was to avoid ignorant disputes also. And the word ignorant means the negative of to instruct or to educate. The word is used in the Septuagint, in the Greek translation of the Hebrew writings, for one who is simple, untaught, without wisdom. In fact, it's used like that in Proverbs. You remember the wisdom cries out to the simple, to the young, and they ignore her. And she says, one day you will cry out to me, and I will ignore you, and I will laugh at you when your calamity comes. The simple one, the one that can't be taught, the one who knows it all. The word appears only here in the New Testament, and indicates nonsensical, inept, trifling, and absurd disputations and speculations by individuals. People who say, well, do you think there's life on other planets? Who cares? <laughs> How many angels can you fit on a head of a pen? Take a guess. Yours is as good as mine. Can God make a rock bigger than he can lift. Why would he want to do that? And just foolish speculations, foolish questions. Thirdly, Timothy was to know that they would only create strife. When you get into this mode, nothing is ever accomplished. It's just a battle of words. The reason is already known by Timothy himself. He's traveled with Paul for many years. He has seen this from the Jewish community, from the Gentile community. And now he is a pastor teacher there at Ephesus, and he is witnessing it for himself directly as the pastor teacher. As some of the leaders have strayed away and they've introduced all this false teaching. Now notice the reason for refusing and declining worthless philosophical and nonsensical exchanges with an individual is that they only create strife. How many people have just spent hours and hours and hours talking about things that really do, do not even relate to the scriptures? That they're not even close to the context of the verse or the chapter or the book and, and when all is said and done and the three or four hours go by, nothing's accomplished. The word generate means to beget. And the idea is that of producing in kind or an offspring. In fact, this word appears 39 times in verse 2 through 16 of Matthew 1 in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And it's translated like this. So-and-so begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot, 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 meaning about bringing forth a child. And this is what words of strife do. They only give birth to more words of strife. We've had just regular strife with 
in the world before we were Christians with people we dislike or people we got in an argument or even at home, even now as Christians, we get in an argument with our wife or our husband or with our kids and, and there's a strife of words and they gender up more hostility and this now, whatever it may be. Unless we're walking in the spirit, unless we deal with the way we should. And they bring no good. They bring no solution. In fact, they only create greater problems. Now, the word can be used between a teacher and a disciple to beget a spiritual sense to the individual, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. In 1 John 5, 1, to beget someone spiritually by preaching the gospel and they come to know Jesus Christ. So the context will always determine which way the word is used. Now, the word strife, uh, macho, means battle or fight. We get our Spanish word macho, you know? And the whole thing is you got to prove yourself. You always have to win. The very openness to this type of argument and philosophical exchange cultivates an atmosphere of heated controversy, fighting with words. The result of strife is sourced in the works of the flesh. You see, our pride gets in, our intellect, or whatever it may be, and no longer are the scriptures the authority, but we become the authorities. And, and what I've been taught, you know, some of the things that people are taught or believe, they would have never even come to that conclusion if they would have just read the Bible. If, if, if the Jehovah Witness wouldn't share their doctrine with nobody, nobody would have come up with that by reading the Bible. I don't have any problem. I don't worry about you just reading the Bible or what you're going to, conclusion you're going to come to. Because the Bible is straightforward. But the problem is when people begin to teach their own doctrines, their own ideas, their own philosophical uh, perspectives, and then they try to find the scripture to back it up. So they give a subjective interpretation to the scripture, so they rip it out of its context. Let the scripture speak for itself. Battle of words. Two professors were arguing about the grammatical correctness of the saying, the hen was sitting, or the hen was setting. Unable to agree, they asked Farmer Jones, who replied, the question of sitting or setting, I cannot answer, nor do I care. What I want to know is, when that hen cackles, is she laying or lying? Isn't that about the product of so many Christian arguments with a battle of words? Now, this does not mean that we're not to have meaningful interchange and exchange with those who have different opinions about doctrine and debates of the scriptures. But we have to make sure that it's productive in that exchange and not simply just to argue. And so we need to ask God wisdom. And, and often we can read a person after we've been dialoguing for a while. We can see where they're coming from. We can see their attitude. We can see their, their, their spirit. And when we need to have good sense sometimes and say, you know what? You know, I, we're not getting anywhere. I'm going to be praying for you, okay? That God would open your eyes because they just want to argue. You're not going to turn them. We're to be like Bereans, Acts 17, 11. 
to always examine, to find out those things are so. By the scriptures, the scriptures are the standard, not my opinion, not my speculation. We are to contend for the faith that was delivered once and for all, Jude 3 says. Because the word is the same. It hasn't changed. I've never heard God recalling the Bible to update it. We are to note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and you're to avoid them, Romans 16, 11, 16, 17. So the Bible on one side tells us to reach out to those who are lost, and we're going to see that, but there is also a place where we have to mark those people who are constantly creating divisions, and it says to avoid them altogether. Because all they do is they take up time that can be used to reach the true sinner, the one who's lost, the one who's open. And so I have to have wisdom for that. The common foolish and ignorant disputes that people like to engage in have always created strife in the body of Christ. And there's many of them. The strife about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are they for today? Are they not? Which ones are for today? How are they manifested? The rapture, whether it's pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. Find a church that you agree with. Roll up your sleeves, jump in the trenches, and work in the kingdom. Don't be dividing. Don't be causing problems. These have nothing to do with salvation. But these type of people, they, they, they give an appearance of being spiritual and loving and concerned and while they're setting up their little agendas and they begin to create strife. And, to, and they never go to the mature Christians. They go to the young believers to confuse them, to divide them. And they're wolves in sheep's clothing. You and I should know that these types of arguments only result in more arguments and they serve no purpose to edify the body of Christ or to evangelize the sinner. Put your energies where they're going to count. Have a perspective for the lost. Study. Search out the scriptures, but don't get caught up in the foolish and ignorant arguments of so many people who go around in the church trying to establish their own authority. Timothy was to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Notice, secondly, Timothy was to conduct himself in a certain way. Verse 24 to the beginning of verse 25 says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient and humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Notice first that Timothy was to have a proper perspective to who he was. Perspective is important. Sometimes we can lose sight of who we are and, and, and what we're to be as Christians. And it's easy to do uh, because the Lord is doing so much and then, and then God brings success to us in terms of being a minister or to whatever it may be that we lose perspective and we start thinking of ourselves more highly. Timothy was to know that he was a servant and the word is doulos. It's talking about a bond servant, one who serves the Lord by, by choice and for life. In other words, he's the servant, and the Lord calls all the shots. Often it's easy to turn it around. This term appears 125 times in the New Testament, and many of them are at the beginning of the opening of the letters. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, Timothy, Silas, bond servants of Jesus Christ. 
the perspective of who you are. You're a servant. You're here to serve. I've told you often, the way you know if you're a servant or you're not is, is how you respond when people treat you like one. If someone treats you like a servant, you don't like it, you find out you're not a servant. You want to be served. It's real easy to find out if you're a servant. Timothy was a servant of the Lord. And the word Lord means that he's master. He's the owner. It can also mean a title of respect, like sir, and the context will always determine the one from the other. Now the servant was to act on his master's behalf, always, and would in effect represent the character and actions of his master in his own. We send an ambassador to China. We send an ambassador to Russia, whatever it is. They are acting on behalf of the United States. And if they do something stupid, it's the nation of the United States that does something stupid. Because they represent the nation. And the same with us as servants. The same with Timothy here. Now notice, secondly, Timothy was to have the proper action in view of who he was. So perspective is good. And that will direct the right action. He says here, Timothy was, must not quarrel, first the negative. You know, just a tugging away and just a friction. Timothy was to be gentle, he says. That's what he's to be. Not one who quarrels, but one who is to be gentle. And by the way, he says to all. Instead of quarreling, he's to be gentle. And the contrast between the antagonistic and determined person who wants to get their agenda across as to one who is gentle to deal with the issue and open and to resolve it. In fact, the word gentle means kind, mild, affable, flexible person who cares. So there isn't that sharpness. There isn't that cutting. There's always room for reproof. There's always room for confrontation when it has to. But this is not what he's talking about. The word is found one other time. You remember when we studied 1 Thessalonians, Paul the Apostle had come and preached the gospel to them. And in 1 Thessalonians 2.7 he says, But we were gentle among you. And he qualifies it. Just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. We not only imparted the gospel in our very lives, but we did it in a way that we were so, you were newborn babes and we were so careful with you. We didn't want to stumble you, so we worked with our own hands. We didn't want to fleece you. We didn't want to lay burdens on you, but we were gentle. This is the word that he's using here. The word must is obligation. There's no option here. Must. It's the same word that is used by the apostles in Acts 5.29. You judge whether we are to obey God rather than man. Ought to obey God. There's no question. Obligation. In fact, the same word was used when we studied 1 Timothy 3.2 about the bishop must be blameless. No option. They must be blameless. Now the article, notice, is all-inclusive. Both the lovely and the unlovable, both the saint and the ain't, <laughs> to all. In the world, we had a respect of persons. In the world, we hung out only with certain people. We all pick our own little group. We grew up with a certain type of people in a certain circle, and then we move through life like that. And the longer we move through life, the smaller the circle gets. <laughs> but when you come to the Lord, your circle becomes wide because He breaks down all those barriers. 
And the only common denominator that means anything is that we are in Christ Jesus. We're new creatures and we love the Lord and we're in here to work in the kingdom. And that's our common denominator. We're not concerned of what you, how, what you look like or, or what's happened in your past or anything else. We're concerned that you are new and that you mean business with the Lord and that you're on fire for Him. That's all we care about. Pastor Xavier Reese and membership in the family of God. And don't forget to join us next time for the remainder of this study. But if you won't be able to tune in, we have the complete study available on CD for just $4. The title to ask for is Strive for Salvation. And make sure you share this study with a friend or loved one. And once again, the title to ask for is Strive for Salvation, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for helping us keep track of this outreach by including the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What kind of impact should salvation have on your life? Find out if you have truly surrendered to the Lord when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com